Welcome back to Indianapolis. It is Luke Slaybaugh in the Annapolis. In the Annapolis. You remember that March Madness commercial with Charles Barkley and company? The Combine has been so full of surprises. It's definitely got a spring break networking type of vibe. A lot of people just here to bond. There's been a lot of bonding, a lot of making new friends. So much stuff that happens after the players get off the field and after the night is over in downtown Indy. Been very blessed. Unfortunately, I did the thing where I burned the candle at both ends too soon. So, went out Tuesday night, met a ton of great guys from Buffalo and Philadelphia. And when I say guys, I mean both guys and girls in sports journalism, and then the quick turnaround for 8 a.m. interviews on Wednesday morning definitely came and hit me. Uh, was out of commission for most of that evening. Uh, was able to rally. And so now it's I'm starting to get into that groove, kind of like a college groove. The, the spring break analogy is one that I definitely uh, identify with. I also think, too, we're past the point of you know obsessing over NFL prospects, measurements, and bodies. I know the Kenny Pickett hand size story is going out there that a quarterback should have larger than eight and a half inch hands. We get into the nitty gritty. We definitely obsess a little bit too much over it, but I think we're starting to distance ourselves from it. Uh, Daniel Falele uh, from Minnesota as well. Um, just a huge uh, 385-pound tackle that we were uh, blessed to speak with today. Just kind of wows people, standing at six foot nine. Luckily, I was able to have interactions with many NFL draft prospects, some projected to go as high as number one in the draft and others that might be sleepers that sadly end up as undrafted free agent signings. So I'm going to play you a few of these interactions just to give you a feel of what I've been doing over these past couple of days when I've been writing reports and transcribing interviews and compiling all this digital content. Um, these won't be in order, and I would caveat that I am shouting at some of these people so that they can hear me. Uh, the microphone level is what it is. I've got my little $20 iRig with me. But I think the most meaningful interaction I've had so far uh, would be with the guy who's projected to go number one overall, uh, Alabama tackle Evan Neal. The Jaguars definitely could use more help protecting Trevor Lawrence's blind side. They've got a new head coach in Doug Peterson. They can revitalize their offense in a very short amount of time. And Evan Neal came off as a cool, confident, very grateful prospect. He actually just had a meeting with the Jaguars before taking the podium at 9 a.m. So we'll leave in with that and then my question about his interaction with the Jaguars. Um, well, I just actually met with them, and uh, it was a great meeting, uh, great interviews, uh, great staff of guys, man. It's exciting to be here, you know. I'm blessed with this opportunity. You know, yeah, wherever I get drafted, I'll be extremely happy. With the Jaguars in your meeting, how much of a picture were they able to paint about their future new coach, young quarterback, and your role in it? Um, definitely. Um, they do have a, they're trying to establish a new culture, for sure, with Coach Peterson. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I feel like they want to be the best organization that they can be. They're trying to get the, the right pieces around them to do that. The most criminally underrated tight end prospect in this draft might be Jelani Woods. He's about 6'8", 250, and I actually had the chance of covering him at Oklahoma State. He was 
criminally underused in Stillwater. He was used primarily as an inline blocker, which is the football equivalent of batting Aaron Judge in the eight hole. When you have that size and power, um, you should be able to uh, exploit that in the passing game. Oklahoma State was very gun-shy. I don't know if it was the quarterback situation they had or if they just didn't trust Woods' speed or verticality. But the dude stood taller than just about anyone else on a Big 12 football field. I did see him. Actually, no. Maybe I don't think I ever did see him catch a touchdown in person because he only had two or three over the course of three years in Stillwater. Um, I definitely saw file footage of one. But when you're in the red zone and have that type of vertical advantage, just the height advantage, you think you'd exploit it. And luckily, Woods saw that he did not fit into the Cowboys scheme, and he transferred to the University of Virginia. And the dude went off this year. 44 catches, had I think 8 touchdowns, close to 600 yards receiving. He's such a great guy, really humble, great family. Uh, It was a tragedy that Stillwater missed him and did not use his talents to their advantage. But I was able to talk just because I follow him on social media and we still catch up every now and again just to see what he had been up to leading up to the combine. Take a listen. You were constantly posting workout videos and sharing how you were getting better. What is the next step of your game that you need to unlock in NFL level? Uh, I would say the most thing I'm doing right now is pretty much working on my technique, uh, in line and like route running, uh, specific game. Uh, just getting, we have a great uh, tight end coach that comes work with us and we're training at. So it pretty much is honing on our skills and trying to master our own little uh, detailed craft. Pretty much. So that's mostly what I'm doing. And what would you say the most overlooked or underrated part of your game is? Uh, I would say that I can pretty much do it all. I feel like some people try to categorize me as uh, this type of tight end or this or try to say, you know, I don't really have the speed or, or anything like that. But uh, with me, I would say that I'm a balanced tight end. I can be dominant in line blocking. And I can also be a vertical threat type of tight end. I can go down the field, stretch the secondary, and do it all pretty much. Gotcha. Another tight end who felt he was overlooked or didn't get the chance to showcase his abilities was Oklahoma's Jeremiah Hall. Shout out to Jeremiah Hall. I trolled him the other day. My first question was, will the podcast on the prairie continue when you make it to the NFL? And uh, yeah, because Jeremiah's a podcaster, does a really good job with that. Um, Super media savvy. I think one of the favorites of the Norman OKC media. But again, he played this hybrid H-back tight end role, some fullback action as well. And so it's very limited the amount of teams that he could see himself fitting in with. So I asked him about that and just how overlooked and underrated he is compared to some of the tight end prospects that you'll see on TV. Take a listen. Oh, morning. Jeremiah, when you make it to the NFL, will the podcast on the Prairie continue? Yeah, so Braden will be there this year, and at least for this coming year, it will continue. I have some ideas to, to keep it going, but uh, I haven't released anything on that yet. But. You played a really flexible role, the H-back tight end. Just how underrated is that skill going into the draft? Uh, yeah, you know, it's... It's underrated because not not many guys can, can do it at the NFL level. You know, you only see a certain amount of guys in the NFL doing it right now, maybe 
15, 14, somewhere in there, and then you got a few true fullbacks. And so to be able to put your hand in the dirt, move around in the backfield, line up and run a few routes, take say, a specific skill. And I'd like to say I feel that role pretty well, and I'm hoping somebody in the NFL recognizes that. Which teams do you see yourself fitting in with really well in that role? Uh, you know, pretty much any team that runs that Shanahan offense, similar to San Francisco. Uh, I can see the Miami Dolphins doing that this year. They got they just got their new head coach. Just came from San Francisco. I can see uh, the Jets run the same offense. I was just with them for the Senior Bowl. And so any team that's adaptable to that RPO type of offense is just pretty good for that role. Have you met with the 49ers, Dolphins, Jets? Yeah, I've met with uh, the Jets, obviously. Uh, I had a discussion with the 49ers and the Senior Bowl. Uh, Ravens seem high on that H-back type of style guy and uh, a few others on the list as well. What would you say the most overlooked or underrated part of your game is? The most underrated part of my game would definitely have to be me getting open in the middle of the field. I feel like I do that very well, especially going against teams that run a lot of zone. I didn't have an opportunity to do that in, in many games at Oklahoma, but I always killed it in practice, and I've been killing it ever since high school, so I know this thing. Did Lincoln just never run those plays, or what? You know, it just depended on what we had for the week. It wasn't necessarily we didn't run it. I just wasn't always in that role. So uh, that's neither here nor there. It was just how the way it was unfolded. And then I had to go to one of my favorite universities, one of the best teams I've covered, the Tennessee Football Volunteers. They are represented by several high upside prospects and some that are not as valued right now as they think they should be. The first and most prominent that came to mind for me was Cade Mays. Cade's very versatile on the offensive line, was a highly touted prospect out of Knoxville Catholic High School. He was a five-star prospect, very wild, adventurous recruitment, uh, got looks from Ohio State, eventually committed to Georgia, and was with the Bulldogs for a couple of seasons, played mean, worked under O-line coach Sam Pittman, who's now at Arkansas, and then decided that he wanted to break away. Came home, played alongside his brother Cooper on the O-line, played under coach Jeremy Pruitt for a season, and then uh, coach Josh Heupel. Leading up to his transfer from Georgia, uh, Cade was mocked near the first round, probably upper three rounds of... I, I want to be fair to all the publications that are out there, but he really does have five-star prospect upside. So it was kind of unsettling to see Cade at one of the side podiums, the eighth podium out of the the eight podiums, and did not get a whole lot of media traction. But I think he's a guy under the right system and under the right coach that could really open up his game and become a regular O-lineman in the NFL. Kate, it wasn't too long ago that you were getting mocked in the first round of drafts. How much value do you offer in this draft, whichever position you may go? Absolutely. I think I you know, hold a ton of value being able to play all five positions. Um, I think it adds great value to my game that I'm versatile, that I've played you know, for two SEC teams, two schemes. I've had three different coaching staffs, so you know, I, can learn, I can learn football really easily. You know, I love to learn it. Yeah.
How much did this past season under Coach Heupel open up your game to, to be versatile like that? Absolutely. It opened up a ton. Um, you know, I was supposed to, getting a fall camp, you know, I was playing right guard. Our right tackle ends up tearing his bicep on the second day, so I was asked by my coach, hey, what do you think about moving to right tackle? I was like, hey, let's do it. You know, I think I'm ready. Um, you know, went out and put, on some, put some good things on film, playing tackle. And, uh, you know, they expanded my football IQ a ton. Um, just the way they prepare, the way they look at football, and it helped me tremendously. If you watched Thursday night's combine and you watched the 40 times, you may have seen Tennessee's Valus Jones Jr. run an unofficial 4.32. This is not a surprise to Vol fans. They loved him in the kick return game, in the punt return game, and as a receiver. He told me, and we'll play you the soundbite, that he believes he's four players in one, just with the skill sets in special teams, in the receiving game, and also out of the backfield. He was used under Josh Heupel's offense. Um, really great guy. This was my first time meeting him because I didn't cover Tennessee while he was there. Um, but really down-to-earth guy. Very humble. Uh, talked to me a little bit about his uh, desire to stay in Tennessee. Um, if he so, if he could. Um, a kid from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, likes ranches. Wants to own a plot of land. Just wants to garden a little bit. Owns some livestock. Really sweet guy. And here's what we talked about. How encouraging is it to see Juwan and Josh Palmer succeed in the NFL and that could be you in just a few months? Oh, yeah. Um, it's really exciting. Uh, I'm close to um, Marquez. I'm close to um, Josh. Um, don't know um, Juwan like that, but just seeing them um, uh, being successful and productive in the league, you know, it gives you motivation. Also, happy for those guys. So, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what's next. How did Josh Heupel's offense open up your game that final year at UT? Um, it really, it really opened it up a lot. You know, him moving me to the slot just allowed, um, just for him like to get the ball in my hands any type of way. And you know, that's what they did by moving me to the slot. I mean, and to show how productive I am when the ball touched my hands, I'm a good ball and hands guy. And so it really opened things up a lot. Um, in this offense, like, you feel free, you know, um, and real comfortable to make plays as a receiver. So that was a, that was, I really enjoyed playing in his offense. What would you say the most overlooked or underrated part of your game is? My playmaking abilities and all um, in different phases of the game when it comes to punt return, kickoff return, and also um, playing a receiver. And also have the ability to um, have plays out the backfield as well. Um, when it comes to me, I feel like I'm a – I'm four players in one. I can make plays in any phase of the game and make a change and a difference uh, when it comes to being on the team. What agricultural leadership? What, you know, what do you think you might do with that master's degree someday? Or uh... Oh, yeah. Um, me and my father, you know, we um, talked about a lot of the time how we're going to buy a lot of land and, um, and things like that. And also, like, being from, like, an <laughs> old-fashioned, being raised by my grandmother and also my granddad, um, you know, they like had their own crops and stuff like that. Had like their own um, tomatoes, um, collard greens and stuff. They did like the whole thing. So I was that was real interested in me. Um, really interested when I was growing up, and I wanted to you know do something like that, like buy some land, also have like livestock as well. Um, so right now in the back of our neighborhood, um, we call it the goat pen, but we have like goats, um, chickens, um, hens horses, like all type of things. And so I grew up, you know, I'm kind of like a country boy, you know, rode horses, like to fish a lot of things like that. So um, I'm really, I'm really, um, 
I'm ready to see where this is going to go. And finally today, we'll go long form with, I think, the prospect who was the best interview out of all the people I talked to. And I talked to <laughs> at least a couple dozen over the first couple of days. And it's Caleb Ellaby. He's a St. Louis native, went to Western Michigan, played quarterback, um, had some ups and downs in his career. He was forced to start as a true freshman, eventually had to redshirt in lieu of an upperclassman, but slowly started to get his swagger back. Had some really good stories for us of who fostered his love for football, how he grew up, went to Pattonville High School in St. Louis, uh, dominated, and also a really interesting bit about his love for horses. I kid you not. So we'll go ahead and play uh, this about 10 minutes of his news conference. Again, the audio is kind of all over the place. But I hope you enjoy what he has to say. Uh, there are many sleeper quarterback prospects in this draft. A lot of them are both overlooked and underrated. Ellaby is one of those guys. He's got pinpoint accuracy. He could definitely fit in one of these quarterback needy team systems. He might need some time. Um, but a really warm smile, great handshake. We caught up a little bit after the interview about, I was from St. Louis, just wanted to catch up, wish him well. Really kind and endearing guy. Good morning, good morning. Hey, Caleb, how you doing? I'm doing good, how about yourself? I'm fantastic. They say it's an underrated morning, draft class for quarterbacks. What would you say your most overlooked yeah. or underrated skills are? Yeah, so uh, preparation. You know, I feel like that's key, you know, preparation going into the season. Um you know, both on and off the field. You know, I've been learning a lot throughout this pre-draft process, um, learning a lot from myself, looking back at the film. I'm excited to grow. You hit the receiver in stride really well. You've got pinpoint accuracy. Just how important is that in a so quarterback? My idea was really yes, sir, accuracy is important. Um, you know, that allows for run at the catch. You know, as a quarterback, your job is to distribute the ball to the playmakers, let them guys do the rest. You know, my biggest goal is just to distribute the ball when it needs to be there, how it needs to be there. And I let the guys do the rest. You know, I Growing got a master's degree in business, and you know, you kind of schooled out, to be honest. And uh, uh, it's a little funny story. Uh, I would like to say that uh, I was like. My mom said I was born with the ball in my hands. So uh, kind of just growing up, you know, I always loved the game of football, loved the quarterback position, um, something I really valued. And, uh, you know, I knew I knew that I wanted to be an NFL quarterback. And for me to be here, uh, to be sitting here and talking to you guys is a blessing, a dream come true. My mom and my little brothers. I'm the oldest of five. That's why I wear number five. Um, but my family is what keeps me going. Yeah, Scott Moore is great, man. I mean, what you see is what you get. You know, his hard work is uh, unmatched. You know, we, we spent a lot of time together in the offseason. You know, he sacrificed just as much as me. You know, guys went home for, for summer break. You know, me and him made a decision we were going to stay here, work on our chemistry, get things going. Uh, he's a great guy, man. You know, off the field, carries on on the field. And, you know, you guys were able to see what we, what we were able to do on the field. And, you know, off the field is just as good. Like Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, making an immediate impact. How does that inspire you? Yeah, it makes it makes a great impact. Um, I would just have to say, you know, it's fuel to the fire. Fuel to the fire is like I is what I like to call it. Um, you know, just getting better each and every day, seeing those guys that they were in college last year and now dominating at the next level. You know, it just shows that it can be done and it has been done and has me give something to look forward to. 
have any impressions of Mike uh, Tomlin as a coach like in the NFL, and have you had any conversations with him specifically while down here in Indy? At this point, I have not. You mentioned preparation, but in college, you had to get thrown in to start sometimes. What did you learn from that experience that you could translate to the NFL? Yeah, so um, I was blessed and fortunate to be able to play as a true freshman uh, due to a starter, John Watson. He ended up getting injured, um, and that meant a lot, you know, for me to be. I actually graduated high school early. I started there, um, you know, enrolled early. So talk about preparation, um, being able to be there in the spring, get familiar with the offense, learn the guys. You know, that really helped me because I was able to throw in the fire my freshman year. I learned a lot throughout that time. Uh, I was a four-year starter in high school, um, broke every record at my high school as far as, you know, quarterback statistics. So, you know, I had to learn how to be happy for someone else and learn how to contribute to the team without actually being in it. Um, and when I was able to have my turn, um, you know, I just go out there, my love for the game, just trying to execute as best as I can. Uh, he came back his, uh, for his fifth year, my, my sophomore year, I red-shirted. I learned even more. You know, that was tough for me, but uh, I learned a lot throughout that time. Uh, I learned how to still, as I mentioned, contribute to the team, still being vocal, still acting like the starter, being there early, staying in late, you know, even though I wasn't the guy on the field making plays. And then, you know, my junior and senior year, I was the starter, uh, two-year captain, and, you know, had a good season. You mentioned goals. What goals do you set for yourself this week? Yeah, so, you know, my goals this week is just to be able to be myself, you know, uh, just showcase to the world who I am both on and off the field. And um, what you see is what you get. Are embracing being labeled a Quote, unquote, like the dark horse. Funny, funny thing is uh, I actually love horses. Uh, I really do. No, seriously. Uh, when I was younger, my granddad, uh, he took me to a racetrack. Um, you know, I was just a little kid, and, you know, he say, what, what horse? And, you know, just seeing the horse, I actually chose the horse number four. I remember it like it was yesterday, horse number four. And, uh, you know, I'm just a little kid. Yeah, hey, I mean, you know, when horse number there, four, uh, it was yellow. Kind of how they and them, horse and number four ended up winning. So, you know, from that point on, I fell in love with horses. You know, it's a beautiful animal. Um, and, you know, I look down at my jacket. I see I got number four, so let's say that. Yes, it was Fairmont Park. Illinois. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my last collegiate game was actually at the Detroit at Ford Field. Um, so, you know, we ended up winning our second bowl win in school history. Um, a moment that, you know, was pretty precious to the state fans of Michigan, uh, pretty precious to Western Michigan. And, uh, you know, it's home. How'd you end up in Western Michigan? I'm sorry? How'd you end up in Western Michigan? Yeah, so uh, I narrowed down my choices coming out of high school between. Western Michigan, Iowa State, and University of Illinois. Um, and, you know, it came down to Illinois and, and Western Michigan. Uh, Coach Smith was, Coach Lovey Smith was there. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just felt comfortable where, at Western Michigan. Um, I felt comfortable at Western Michigan. It was somewhere I felt like I could grow both on and off the field, make lifelong connections, and be able to go compete for a job. You mentioned your brothers. What are their ages, age range? Yeah, so, uh, Funny thing is, all our, everybody in our family name start with the letter K. So and we like to call ourselves the K-5 crew. So uh, my mom's name is Kenyatta. My name is Caleb. We have Cameron, who's a freshman in high school. He's doing exceptionally well. He played varsity this past year, just like his big brother. <laughs> Same school. Uh, he had a great season. We have Kyron. He's entering his high school years now. Um, he's in eighth grade. So, you know, he's he's one of the, he's the bright one. You know, they all play sports. All are involved. 
Uh, he, he'll be going to attending one of the top schools at SLU, SLU High School, uh, private school. And we have Caden. He's up and coming. He's, he's the guy, man. You know, he's athletic. He does what he does. And then we have baby Kyle. Um, he's the energetic one. You know how the babies are in the family. So, yeah. Uh, there's a great history of Matt quarterbacks in the NFL. How do you feel about the team and that legacy? Yeah, you know, I, uh, me coming from the MAC, it's, it's a good thing. You know, kind of as everybody says, not, you know, the Power 5 level, but it's good to go out and showcase that, you know, guys that from that level can, can go out and, and play and have some success. Did your mom really put a – did she put a football in your crib? You said you were felt – you know, you mentioned that. Yeah, so um, – I give you a story. So my four, when I turned four years old, um, my mom she actually gave, got me a CD, and on the CD it read, "And now this one the St. Louis Rams was there." So for you guys, so it was like, "And now that starting quarterback for the St. Louis Rams," and they said my name, Caleb Elby, and I played that like every day. Um, so from that point on, you know, I just felt like you know this is what I want to do. This is what I love to do. Um, and I'm grateful for it. You know, the game of football has done a lot for me. It's provided me with an education, provided me with lifelong, you know, connections and friendships. And, you know, it's got me here, something that I, I value and something that I don't take for granted. And that'll be the podcast for today. Hope to have at least one more this weekend from Indianapolis. If you liked the show, uh, please give it a five-star rating where you're at or a one-star. Who cares? Leave a review. Um, share it with someone you love retweet it, post it on all your social platforms. Uh, We're doing great work here. Um, We're having a great time and hopefully opportunities like this open up in the future. We will see you as soon as possible. Take care.